Good morning, auditorium family. How are we doing this morning? So I don't know about you, but I, I read that text and I was like, huh, hmm. I don't know about you, but two weeks ago when we put those little pictures, those, those faces up on the board about was this challenging, inspiring, was this, um, you know, exhilarating, and there's all those words. And, and for me, this was incredibly challenging. Uh, Ecclesiastes in generally goes against almost every fiber of my body. Um, I, if you don't know this, I am a person that has been built with purpose to my core. Like I believe everything has meaning. Like this goes to this. And when you do this, it moves into this. And, and as I look back on my life, I've, you've heard me speak on this. As you look back on your life, you see fingerprints of God and where he's been at your life. And yet, if I take this at face value in Ecclesiastes, if I don't dig into this, it seems that maybe he's saying something different. And so I struggle with this. I struggle greatly. Again, back to, to me, how again I'm wired so much so that in honor of the, the, the marching Dutch, you get to go to the Rose Bowl parade uh, and next year, woo woo, go Dutch, that'll be great. When, when I was in eighth grade, Okay, I was, I was middle school good trumpet player. Okay, I'm not saying I was great. I was middle school good. I was, I was the second chair because our first chair, I'll give me a caveat, was Brenna Blair. She's a Blair. Guy Blair was our main person. She still plays trumpet today. I mean, she's in the like Air Force playing trumpet on like a national scale. So I give myself a caveat there. I was number two behind her. Um, and I was pretty good, but I wanted to be a basketball player. Okay, so for my vision of my life was, was basketball. So I want to be a basketball player. And I knew that in my junior year that over Christmas break, we were going to go to some Rose Bowl, Citrus Bowl somewhere. And so I decided in eighth grade, why am I doing this? This is meaningless because by my junior year, I'm going to be quitting band anyway because I'm not going to want to miss those two weeks of practice over Christmas and so in eighth grade, I quit band, okay? That's how hardwired I am for purpose. And when I was in eighth grade, I'm quitting band because three years later, I'm like, oh, that's not something I want to do because I'm going to be a basketball player, okay? So understand where I'm coming from with this text is like every fiber in my bones is like screaming, is this even right? I will give Ecclesiastes kudos though. Because when we actually stop and think and reflect on these words, how many of you have ever actually said this in your own life? How many of you said, why is it that I see all these wicked people, the people that I don't think are, are doing good things, but yet they seem to be prospering? Why is it that I've worked out every day of my life? Why is it that I'm eating healthy and doing all the right things, and yet here comes cancer or a heart attack, or you can name the list. Or I've been really good at my job and I've poured all my resources into it and here comes a layoff, right? Where's God in that? What's the point of this? There's these things that, you know, we, we stand up here a lot of times and we, we, we claim these things and yet sometimes it seems a little fluffy and what Ecclesiastes is saying, let's get to the bare bones of this. All right, let's be real here, church. Let's actually take this and dig into this because end of the day, no matter what we do, we all die, right? 
we're all going to end up in the same place. And I see people out there that are doing the wrong things and they seem to be prospering. I see those that are doing the right things and they seem to be hurting. What is the point of all this? And so it's been really, really tough for me to wrap my head around this. But then I got to thinking. For the last 24 years, I have been walking with brothers and sisters in Christ in a place called Haiti. Don't know if you know much about Haiti, um, but it, it comes from a place of slavery, was the main slavehold for all the Western Hemisphere. People that were taken from their families, taken from their homeland, and put into bondage so harsh that in two to three years, they would die because they were worked so hard under the sun. They fought and got their freedom only for the world to shun them, turn their backs on them, to say, you scare me because if our slaves would revolt, what would we do? United States, England, France, Spain. So for that, we're gonna tax you in a way that's gonna put you in debt. And so all the money that would be used for schools and for hospitals and all that kind of stuff, you're gonna be paying us. So your infrastructure is basically not gonna be existent. Let's fast forward to recent history. Okay, four months ago, president was assassinated. A month later, a massive earthquake hit the South, left 130,000 homes destroyed, 650,000 people in need of emergency humanitarian assistance. Government's non-existent, gangs are everywhere. That sounds a lot more like this, right? See, when I read this book, I read it from my Western eyes sitting in a comfortable room with lights on and carpet and sound systems that could pay for a lot of things. And I come from it at a place of life is easy. And when hard things come, it's like, oh man, what, why, why would these hard things come my way? But yet when this was written, this comes from a great place where life was really hard. Life was not guaranteed. Death was all around. The average life expectancy was not 78 years old. Most people had been burying people on, if you had children, you were lucky to see many of them to see past the age of five. So I thought about that and I was like, who better to teach us about Ecclesiastes than people that actually are living this right now? people that actually can take these words and, and bring meaning to them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to one of our pastors, Pastor John Ronell. He's an incredible man. He's, he's went to school in Trinidad, got his theology degree. Uh, what he does on a daily basis, going door to door, house to house, proclaiming the gospel, uh, it puts my faith in some of what I do to shame. And we interviewed him about a month ago. This is post-earthquake. This is post-assassination. This is in the middle of gang violence. This is when kidnappings were happening. And I know a lot of us heard the national news and those, those missionaries are still kidnapped as we speak right now. But there were 300 people kidnapped in the last month before that. There's been over, I think it was around 600, 700 or people that have been captured. And I'm gonna say this nicely, but I think we can handle it as a congregation here because they were, they were African-American, they were Haitians, they weren't white, 
middle-class missionaries, no one knew about it. It's the truth. But we pray for them, we pray for God release, and we pray for the country of Haiti. All this is going on when you're gonna listen to this story. There's not a better person to be able to tell us and understand Ecclesiastes than John O'Neill. Let's roll the video. Like for me personally, because you know, I was one of the victims in 2010. So each time they talk about earthquake, I don't have a good feeling about it. I was in Puerto Prince, I was learning economic science at that time. So I was doing a, an exam at that exact time when the earthquake happened. So I just handed my exam because I finished with the test. Uh, maybe about one minute before the earthquake happened. And then all the walls of the house, thanks to God, the, the roof didn't fall on us, but only the walls, they break. When I had to jump from the stairs where I was to fall on the ground, I fell on a, the side of a blocks. When I came back here in Pinion, I had to spend maybe more than one month without being able to work on hard things. I finally left the, the yard where the, I was in that building, and then I realized some people, they were coming with other people, they carrying the hand on the back, like where you would see like their faces are bleeding and everywhere they are bleeding all over. And then we went a little further down the road and realized like some houses they fell and you hear people are crying inside. And when I tried to call, there was no signal. So I had to walk, we had to walk and then we tried, we tried and I got home, thanks to God. Every day they carry like child or adults in a blanket sheet and then to drop them somewhere for a truck to come and pick them, to clothe them somewhere. So it was not a good experience. Many people would go to my house to wish my mom condolences because they couldn't hear from us, so they thought we would all die. So she spent those days like crying, mourning, because she thought that hey, her second son is gone. So yeah, it was hard. When that happened, the gangs, they said they would let people go to help people in the South. But even if they said that, so they still kidnap people along the way. So now many people, they are afraid to go. But because I experienced that in 2010, so I realized it's really, really good for me to go and look at what those people are, are dealing with because I was in the midst of it once and now they are in. And while I was in the midst of it, some people came and help. So if this opportunity came, so we should be able, I should be able to do the same thing. The earthquake of 2010 was more brutal, but the one thing I, I can say that was good about that one was, it was not happening in a, a rainy season, which is different from this one, because this one we are in a hurricane season, so it rains almost every day.
Après ça, c'est l'école. Un peu de bagaille tombé. Son gros espace. On va pouvoir être tout côté. On a réussi mes petites tentes. À gauche, à droite, tout pas derrière. Donc, ça est pour tout le monde. Ça est un peu de béton pour là. So the video is what has been going on since yesterday. So it has been raining until now. But really difficult, challenging for the people out there that I'm the village shelter. Many of them they are made of starch. Uh, I can imagine how they feel in the places we have seen them. They, they are like curved. They must let the water go in where the water will just sit where the the fans are. No man, things are difficult. Yeah. People they are living on the shelter made with uh, shit, so there is no way they can uh, avoid getting wet while they are in there. Which was different from the earthquake at uh, 2010 because people they were able to find the shelters faster, and which was good for them. And also there was no rain at all. When I tell, told them where we are, we are coming from, so they, they said, oh, oh wow. So you, you came all that way to come to help us, so they think that was a big thing, and that was an opportunity to, to tell them that Jesus put this kind of love in our heart, so that's why we can make this sacrifice to, to help. Some other organizations, they say, why, why should I continue to, to help? Because I realize it's like a, something chronic, it's always happening. But you know, as Christians, the Bible asks us to always do good in season or out of season. And sometimes people, they consider Haiti like the outcasts, like the people that are living there, they are just, they're just not living. But I would say God still loves all of us. And the fact that he loves any country, I believe he loves Haiti as well. And the fact that he loves Haiti, so people who represent God's faith and hands should continue to help uh, to show love, the love of Jesus to us. So when many hands say, hey, the door is open for someone to go and see what is going on over there and with what we are like helping with, so can someone go? And I said, I'll be the one. <laughs> it was a way to let those people on the south know that even if they are getting wet every day, even if they can sleep well, but Jesus loves them. And we have the means to help, so we'll continue to do it because that's what we are here to do. So whenever we think it, it is impossible, if we trust the Lord, it is gonna be possible because the impossibility is in our mind. We have to overcome that. And this is what many hands there is. There is still hope because our, our God is alive. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Even if there, there are a lot of challenges, but we can face them because with him there is nothing that is impossible. Praise God for John O'Neill's testimony. Every time I hear that, it just moves me in a certain way. And as I was reading this text and I'm listening to his words, 
You know, this is where Solomon is basically rounding third base. You know, since the World Series, and I know, Paul, your White Sox aren't in the World Series. I'm sorry about that. But, you know, since, since Solomon is rounding third base here and he's coming home, he's giving his conclusion. He's going to rehash that which he's already covered. He's going to make his final points in these final chapters. And he starts with his biggest one is that in the beginnings, you know, chapter one through three, he's going to talk a lot about death. He's going to say that, you know, death comes for us all. Death is all around us. Death is inevitable. Death is something that we will all encounter. And he capstones this with the same thing in 13. He says, more will no man will know when his hour will come as the fish are caught in a cruel net, the birds are taken, the snares, the men are trapped or evil times and they fall unexpected upon them. We do not know our time. Our time is hevel. It is vapor. It is just like this. It is so quick. It is so fast. Okay. So on both sides, there's death. And just like John Ronell said, death is all around him. And wouldn't you think that when death is all around you, wouldn't that just bring hopelessness? You know, if you see death and you see all this destruction, wouldn't that just bring us a feeling of like, oh, so much to bear? But I didn't get that out of John Ronell's words. Someone that lives this every day. That's not the words that he said. What did he say? He said, God loves us. Because he loves us, we go be his hands and feet, right? He said the impossibilities lie in our minds. And for so many of us, when we think about this, our minds are the biggest problem that we, that we face, that we encounter. We put this in a box. We think, well, if only things are good and there is no death, there is nothing goes on, then I can be happy. Then I can live with joy. Then I will have a life that's fulfilled. And in God's upside down kingdom, it is the exact opposite. When you understand that life is so fast, that life can be taken from you in any minute, but at the same time, when you understand that, that frees you to live. Because why am I worrying about tomorrow? Because tomorrow might not ever come. 90% of what we all worry about actually never happens. Do we know that? Our mind is our biggest obstacle when it comes to that. We go to places that never come to be. And we live in a spot that like, that's not going to happen. But yet my mind goes there and I'm living in a place that sometimes I actually create that. Because I'm living in that space. And when I live in that space, I create that outcome. At the same point, your past, okay? We need to understand our past. John Ronell went through a devastating earthquake. 300,000 people died in about... 30 seconds to a minute. Why did he live? Why did he not die? I don't know. And there's obviously hurt and pain that goes around that. And we all are going to have these scars in life, right? We're all going to get scars as we continue into life. Scars are inevitable. Scars are going to happen. Wounds are going to happen inside of you. But ultimately, it is in our mind that the Lord will come in and start to heal our wounds. And it is by our healed wounds that the, that the world will know our love. Jesus Christ, when he came back, it wasn't his face that's, that made the believers say, that's Jesus. What was it? What did he do? He went like this. He went like this. And they saw wounds on his hands and his side and his feet. And they were healed and they believed because of the wounds. 
For some of us this morning, we need love to break through. We need love to break through in our minds. We need love to break through in our wounds. Love in the form of Jesus has come down. When Ecclesiastes wrote this, he was giving hints at something bigger, but he didn't know. We know the rest of the story. We know that love came down and that love broke the curse. And love interceded in our life. And love came from a place of generosity. That the Lord was so gracious to us that the very creator of heavens and earth came through and he broke down the walls and he came down for us and he made a way for all that were in his presence to, to come to him. And for some of us today, we need love to come down. We need a breakthrough. And verses 7 through 10 is really where the hope lies. And for some of you, I think we read this and I read this and I'm like, I, I do the, the animal house thing, you know, eat, drink and be merry. The guy with the college on his thing, carrying around the bottle and it's like, oh, just go be happy and go drink. That's not what he's saying. Again, remember where this is written, hard times, hard times. When you have a really, really good meal, savor it, live in it. Be present with what's right in front of you. When you have a really good drink in front of you, taste it. Spend the time with it. That also probably means there's community around you. Because then when they was, this was written, if you're going to have that type of meal, you're not making it by yourself. You're making it with others. Have a joyful heart. For it is now that God favors you what you do. Be present. And when you are present... God will show up. God will be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. How do we get to the point where we can be present? Even in the midst of hardships. Even in the midst of all the things that are going on around us. The best way that I know how to be present is to be able to have a generous heart. The way that God was generous to us that we be generous to others. And so for this last five minutes, what I want us to do is in the back, we've got two resources that we're going to spend a little time off on your own. Number one is there's this gratitude half sheet. So after I'm done here, we're all going to get up. We can go get this half sheet. And our Church is collecting stories of gratitude. That's happened over this last season, happened in your life. These will be public. These will be shared. Grab one of these. If you feel so called, write your story, paragraph. It can be handwritten. We'll type it up. We'll put it out. We'll publish it so others get a see. Maybe some of you aren't here yet, though, where you're like, uh-uh, I can't share that story yet. I have a hard time even writing down one thing that I'm thankful for right now. This season has been so hard for me that I have a struggle to even put breath together. That's okay. There's this back there for you. This is, this is what I want you to do is to make a gratitude journal. Okay? And every time as you walk and just write things down. So as I conclude, I want us to go grab a journal in the back. Grab this half sheet of paper. Just start writing things down that you're thankful for.
It could be as simple as, I'm thankful that I am here today. I'm thankful that I had a car that I didn't have to walk miles to come to church. I'm thankful that I have a building that's air conditioned today, that has heat, that I've got a seat to sit on that's comfortable, that I got, that I got a tie to wear to church, and I can be able to, to honor my king by my clothes. Multitude of things that we can be thankful for. To be present means you understand where you come from and to grasp onto that gratitude. So for these last five minutes, I'm going to let Alan play some music in the background. Then he will conclude us with a song. Go to the back. There's pens in the back. There's journals in the back. There's gratitude sheets. Grab a sheet. Find a place. Take some time with your Lord and Savior to write down what you're thankful for today.